Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzer Sportscast. I am your host, Perry Morgios, and today, guys, we have a great episode on tap, so let's get straight to it. So, as I said, usually we'll start off with a major story. It doesn't have to be related to football, even though you know most of this episode will be football-focused, but this one isn't. Um, just literally an hour after last week's episode came out, uh, Heim Bloom was fired by the Boston Red Sox. Now, I, I mean, we have to talk about this for a little bit. This is big, big news. Um, look, I'm on record on this podcast as saying that I was rooting for the Red Sox to lose every game in order for Heim Bloom to get fired. And I, I think that Heim Bloom did some things well. Let's just take an overall look at his tenor here. This was his fourth year, I believe, in the organization. They, so just going back real quick, they came in last place in 2020, made the ALCS, came within two games of the of the World Series, not the title, but the World Series. Uh, in 2021, came in last place last year, probably going to finish in last place this year, so three last place finishes in four seasons, let's call it. Uh, to say the least, not very impressive. Um, at all, but I think that if you told me that he have baseball America, I believe, I believe it was baseball America ranked the Red Sox farm system fifth best in baseball and the slash payroll. I think if you told John Henry that, that they call it a win, but you know, you have an issue and especially owners who really only care about the money. You know you have an issue when p there's nobody in the stands. And whether it was the Mookie Betts incident where most of the fans were Dodgers, which, believe me, doesn't travel. don't they, Those fans don't travel well. Or you had the Kyle Bearclaw incident where Alex Cora basically left him there to get his head like nailed, just homer after homer. Or you had the incident the this past week where there was nobody in this not this past week but a couple weeks ago where there was nobody in the stands, and at the end of the day, Heim Bloom did not pay attention to the major league part of the baseball operation, which I you would think is the most important part. I certainly think so, and I I think that he he held on to too many prospects, and you can make the argument that really. And I, I would say that's a legitimate thing is that he lost the team at the not this past year's trade deadline, but the trade deadline before that where he didn't make any moves and it seemed like they deserved it. I think that's a fair spot to kind of note where the where the Heim Bloom era kind of went south because they made the ALCS and people were thinking, wow, maybe this is a team on the come up. Um, then you kind of lose everybody. You lose um, Kyle Schwarber going into that year. It's J.D. Martinez's last year. Then you look and you don't trade J.D. Martinez, you don't trade Xander Bogus, but you do trade Christian Vasquez, which really hurt that team in the moment. And that team kind of goes on a slump and is out of playoff contention by September. Then that offseason, you lose Xander Bogarts, you lose J.D. Martinez, you lose some of these guys, and you bring guys half on the dollar. Um, so just Corey Kluber ends up really not doing anything for you this year. Then you... Coming to this year, you flirt with the 500 season. They're probably going to finish under 500 now. Uh, you Once again, you didn't add anything at the deadline because because you're underdogs, which, I, I mean, I don't know if they should have had at the trade deadline, and we can certainly second-guess that. 
I just think that the logic doesn't make sense. The numbers can change if you go out and get good people. The numbers are dependent on the team that you have. And I think a lot of fans, myself included, were kind of sick of tired of being Tampa Bay North and seeing this team sign free agents that or has-beens or will-never-bees or whatever for basically nothing while you watch guys like Xander Bogarts go and a guy like Shohei Otani is coming here this offseason. And maybe maybe there's a little bit more hope depending on who they replace uh, Heim Bloom with. There's rumors swirling around that Alex Cora is going to go to the front office. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen at this point. But you look at the situation where you know, the one of the the best player in baseball is a free agent this offseason. He cleaned out his locker and look, he can only play one side of baseball like every other person right now. So what? But if Heim Bloom was here, I don't think anybody would have any hope that Shohei Otani would be coming here. Now that Heim Bloom is gone, maybe there's maybe it's false hope, um, and that certainly is possible, and it's probably likely that's false hope. But no matter what, there's some hope around this team. That maybe they'll go out and do something. I'm interested to see who they bring in. Do they bring in? They can't go back all the way to Dave Dombrowski. They can't swing. They swung the pendulum way too far. Dave Dombrowski overpaid for guys. Gave extension when that wasn't needed. Swung all the other way with Heimblum. Needs somebody in the middle that's not going to trade everybody away. But we'll trade enough people away. And that will go in and sign good players. And not just sign random players like Dave Dombrowski did. And I'm interested to see if... They bring in a guy that's in the middle of the road, and I don't know who that's going to be. I mean, there's a number of people who it could be. But you bring in a guy who's in the middle of the road, and if they still don't spend that, I think that tells you something about ownership. And I still don't think ownership wants them to sit here and pony up money. Um, But it was hard to separate the two. Certainly with Bloom's reluctance to go out and make trades and bring in guys, they weren't even in on Juan Soto last year at the trade deadline. So just guys that they at least should have been in on and they weren't. And that kind of speaks to, to a high boom was taught, you know. In Tampa Bay, you don't have the resources that the Red Sox do. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to a Milwaukee, to an Oakland, to a Tampa Bay, and just go back to... Because he's good at building a farm system. We'll give him credit for that. He's good at doing that. And some of these guys, Marcelo Mayer is a bloom pick. Other guys, Garrett Whitlock's a bloom pick, but Brian Bayo, Tristan Casas, Dave Dombrowski picks. Jan Duran, Dave Dombrowski pick. So we'll see what his lasting effect regarding the farm system is. Um, we'll see that at, in the years that come. But I, I, I think certainly, certainly one of High Bloom and Alex Cora had to go, and we probably should have been talking about this a little bit more. But certainly one of them had to go, and I think they were right to let go of of Bloom over. I think Alex Cora is a very good manager. He's a very good manager when you get a team that can win. If you get a team like this that's trying to develop and trying to give off the illusion of contention, they're not going to be as good. That's just a fact. And I think that that's part of the game that you play, and... We can say here, we can say, oh, you have to give up something to get something. That's true, and it just seemed like High Bloom was never going to give up anything. And 
you never you never want to see somebody get fired, and I'm not celebrating that Heimgren was fired or anything like that. But I think for the Boston Red Sox at this moment, at this exact moment in time, it was the right move to get rid of Heimbloom and hopefully bring in some big fish. I know um, Theo Epstein was thrown out there. That's probably not going to happen unless he comes back as president. I've heard some people discussing him as coming back as part owner. That's highly unlikely, but these are the guys we're talking about here. I mean, the Boston Red Sox right now are a tier, are a tier two, maybe three sports organization. And the question that I have is what are they going to do in order to get back to that tier one status, to get to the level of the Braves, to get to the level of the Dodgers, to get to the level of the Astros, some of these teams that just churn out winners that the Red Sox just cannot seem to do um, recently here. But that's kind of the Red Sox talk. We probably won't discuss them again for a little bit, so... Hope you enjoyed that. But with that, let's go into the Patriots game. Let's start um, with last week's loss to the Miami Dolphins. And again, I don't think Mac Jones was the issue. I really don't. I thought the interception was bad, but I thought Devontae Parker has to fight a little better for that. I think that 231 yards on touchdown is good. Um, But it's clear that a team that should be based on the run game is just not running the football well. That's... That's what this. Is. That's what the issue is. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, fifteen carries for fifty yards. They only had, you know, excluding scrambles, they had sixty-eight yards on twenty carries. Um, that comes out to about three point eight a carry. Still not good. That's that's excluding uh, scrambles by Mac Jones. But I, I. I, I this offensive line is so bad. Cole Strange was awful um, Sunday night. Just absolutely awful. It seemed like he was getting blitzed every play. And that final play, they only rushed four. And number two, whose name I cannot remember, um, on the Dolphins just came right up the middle. And I, I, I was watching on the couch at home, and I saw it coming. And the fact that they just can't pick up any blitzes right now, they're not giving Mac Jones any time, is disheartening. And this is a team that can't have two turnovers. The the DeMario Douglas fumble was bad, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But at this stage, where the Patriots are right now, they don't have the depth, they don't have the talent to be benching a guy who's probably their most explosive receiver. Because Juju's playing on a bum ankle and a bum knee, excuse me, and it shows. Devontae Parker, 6 for 57, okay. Hunter Henry, 6 for 52, okay. Kendrick Bourne, 4 for 29. Just a bunch of okay numbers. And you're really hoping that one of these guys start to emerge. And DeMario Douglas probably played, I don't remember exactly what it was, but something like a quarter and a half. And I thought it was impactful. That play that he ended up getting strip sacked on, that can happen to anybody. And it wasn't like he was holding the ball by three fingers like Walter Payne. It was secure, could have been more secure, yes, but that's a good play by Bradley Chubb. Part of it's that just a good play. And I think that I, I expect to see DeMario Douglas back playing a role for the Patriots in this game. But it was just kind of disheartening to see him taken out. And if you're the Patriots defense and you're only allowing 24 points, that's fine. Against this offense, that's good. I mean, Jalen Wall had really good first drive. 
Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he hit like 50 reception yards by the end of the first quarter. I mean, you held a top three wide receiver in Tyreek Hill with five receptions for 40 yards. That's impressive. Granted, the run game with Raheem Mostert rushing for 6.7 yards to carry was bad. And I mostly saw Jawan Bentley and Jahlani Tavai shooting a lot of wrong gaps. But again, I feel like that's kind of... you. They played six defensive gap, six defensive backs most of the game. And granted, you know, guys like Adrian Phillips and Jaleel Peppers and Kyle Duggar can't step up and make tackles like this. But... But... Um, but I, I kind of expected it with the with just with the personnel they were playing. And I think that was part of the game plan. I don't think they wanted to get gashed on the ground. But they certainly wanted the Dolphins to run the ball more than throw it. And I didn't think to play a spectacular game. But no matter what, you, you can't can't say anything because he's 5-0 against this team. And the final play was Cole Strange there. That's that's close. Um, I In real time, I thought he had it. But they didn't lose the game because of that. They lost the game because they have no playmakers... In the biggest moments, they have no playmakers to get open. And that's that's a fact. And in the biggest moments, they can't block. The tackles were awful. Um, it, it's just, it's truly disheartening to see Mac Jones be given, not, he, he doesn't really have a chance. And I still think he's playing, he's been better than last season. 100%. And I don't. I think he's been a top fifteen in the quarterback this year, top fifteen quarterback in the league this year. But the interception last week, the interception this week can't happen, and the fumble by Demario. They can't. This is a team that cannot afford a margin of error. And when they're gonna do stuff like this, it's not good. But I think that you're seeing kind of the rest of the NFL catch up with them, and it's unfortunate because. Um, you know, the Bengals are 0-2 as well. The Chargers are 0-2. Teams that you would be competing with. The Steelers are 1-1 but don't look great. The Browns are 1-1 but just lost Nick Chubb to a devastating knee injury. Um, praise up for Nick Chubb. That was a tragic injury. But the Browns are 1-1. The Ravens are 2-0. They probably should get you 3-0 this week. But all the teams that you're kind of competing against have also started slow. This was a This was a year that they could get ahead. Um, and they 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 would have need these games, and now they're gonna kind of be fighting for their lives here. This is a must win game, and let's with that let's go into this game at one o'clock in at MetLife Field, and and the Jets are one one. The Jets have not been the New England Patriots in fourteen straight games, and Zach Wilson's the quarterback. This is a must. This is, teams that are own two can still make the playoffs. Teams that are own three, no chance. Nah. So the Patriots need to win this game. They have to win this game. Because they probably are going to lose to the Cowboys next week. So they've got to win this game. It's a must win, no doubt. I'm, I'm worried about, as I mentioned, the offensive line. I think DeMario Douglas needs to play more. And he's my X factor for this week. He is the most explosive pass catcher the Patriots have. And the fact that a six-round pick has that is speaks more to... The roster construction than Demario Douglas's abilities, and I love I love Demario Douglas, but still, you shouldn't be the number one option on a team as a sixth round pick. And the the Jets have a good secondary. I expect Sauce Gardner to be back on his game. He gave up. He got toasted 
by CeeDee Lamb last week. I don't expect that to happen this week, so I expect him to be on his game. I It's going to be tough sliding for the Patriots offense again and again and again because they don't. it's going to be quick passes because they can't block, and they have nobody that can be anybody downfield. So it's a lot of quick passing game. Oh, let's throw a little five-yard screen pass, Juju. Or, oh, let's fake the screen pass this year, fake the screen pass here, then throw it here, which is a Patriots stable, and just plays like this because they don't have anybody that can get open. And Kendrick Bourne got open once down the field, and he should have caught that ball earlier in the game last week. But shoulda, coulda, woulda. So DeMario Douglas needs to get on the field. He needs to play a big game. And as I mentioned, the key line for the Patriots is this offensive line. The key matchup is this offensive line for them versus the Jets' defensive line. And the Patriots need Trent Brown this week. They absolutely need him. Quinton Williams is a really good player. And Calvin Anderson has been killed these past two weeks. Um, Brown's replacement, Lau, was awful. Cole Strange. I think Cole Strange and Michael Money are going to be better this week. Um, I think they, I think that was more of um, rust than anything else, so I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass, even though they were awful. David Andrews was same old David Andrews, solid. Um, but it comes down to, can the Patriots block this Jets team enough in order to... In order to be able to not just hit the hit these five yard passes, but maybe open up the field a little bit, maybe hit fifteen yard in crossers and ten yard in crossers, and instead of being in third and fives, third and sixes, maybe get maybe you pick up a first down on second down. Just an idea. I know we don't usually like to do that, but maybe they can take a shot. Maybe something opens up, and it's really gonna start with that protection and keeping Mac Jones protected because um, I haven't seen any of the. Um, sacks hits hurries from last week. Um, I can check the how many. I mean, Andrew Van Ginkle had three sacks, I believe. Um, or maybe he just had one. He just had one sack, but they had total two, three, four, four sacks. Um, which is just really, really bad. And real quick, just before I forget, um, I did just want to talk about that field goal kick. That was spectacular. Um, giving Brendan Schooler a head start like that is something that a lot of other coaches are going to copy. Um, especially in situations, you can't do that every time, and the team needs to have a tell. If you're looking for, you know, what the indicator was, I highly recommend go watching. Um, Pat McAfee has a five minute clip on it, just talking about, you know, Jake Bailey's tell, which was he took a deep breath and you see his head kind of sink, and that's when Schooler starts running. That's a really good video, just explaining the play. I highly recommend. Um, go watching Pat Mack if he's just take away on that. But I just had to get that in there real quick. Um, and then the key matchup on the defensive side of the ball is can they stop Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson versus basically everybody. I wrote down Bill Belichick here. Um, I don't think Zach Wilson's the issue. I think Zach Wilson, they can ban you throwing one or two picks. Um, he'll probably make a couple other throws that should be picked off, and he'll probably have one or two good throws because that's pretty much Zach Wilson's game. And you'll be like, okay. Well, that's Zach Wilson. They're not. They they're gonna try and make Zach Wilson being with his arms. I expect Brees Hall to be a heavy featured person in this offense because he got basically no carries last week, and um, and the Patriots just got gas right Raheem Mostert. So I expect a big Brees Hall to carries game. So that's something I'm watching out for. But the Patriots, as always, are gonna make Zach Wilson try and be him with his arm, and that's something I'm gonna be looking forward to. I think the Jets win this game 13-10 with the MVP being Quinn and Williams. The Patriots need this one. As I mentioned, they can't have players packing in after week three. That'd be really, really bad. 
Um, but I just think that the Jets have too much on defense, and Zach Wilson will make enough throws. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots are give him a short field on one play where it's just like a field goal, chip shot, field goal. I have the Jets winning 13-10. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Just because I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots win this game. I mean, they have won 14 straight against them. And if if the Patriots need ever need a game, it's this week. Um, but I do have the Patriots losing this one. You fall to 0-3, probably end their season. With that, let's head into quick picks with just some stats from last week. I went 11-5 and to improve the overall record to 21-11. and So not bad. We're hitting at about... Um, a 67% clip, um, which isn't bad. Um, IT Higgins has my boom last week. He hit very good week. as my breakout, I should say. He had two touchdowns, so very good week from T. Higgins. Garrett Wilson was my bust, and he had um, 16 points, so I gave myself a loss there. So the fantasy is 3-1-1. As I mentioned earlier, the Patriots are 0-2, but I am 2-0 in picking them. With that, let's head into the Thursday night game with the Giants against the San Francisco 49ers. I have the Niners winning this one. This should, really shouldn't be close. The Giants got really, really lucky that's last week. Really, really fortunate because if that was any other team than the Cardinals, New York football is in the toilet right now. But I do have the Niners winning this one. Falcons taking on Detroit. Look, B. John Robinson is a really special player. Um, I, I think the Falcons are a well-coached team. I think the Packers are a well-coached team. This is actually a game I'm fascinated to watch. Um, or at least chime in, who has is in the 1 o'clock window, which the Patriots are also playing in. But I'm just fascinated to watch these two teams because they're I look at them very similarly. Good coach. Um, Jordan Love is kind of a question mark, but he's a good start. I like the pack. I like, um, whoa, Jordan Love, excuse me, the Detroit. I like Detroit in this one. Um, I think they just have more talent. They'll bounce back after last week. Uh, Chargers taking on Minnesota and base in two 0-2 teams taking on each other. Whoever loses might be an elimination game for them, uh, unless you're the Vikings, because that NFC is just so bad. I do have the Vikings winning this one. Uh, it just seems like the Chargers just can't put it all together, which is super, super weird. Um, I think they're the only team in NFL history to start 0-2 after scoring 50 combined points and having no, no, no turnovers. So kind of a rough start for the Chargers here, but Minnesota's at home, so I'm going to take them. The Saints taking on the Packers, and the Saints are 2-0. I have them losing. Um, Lambeau Field is always a tough place to play. I think Jordan Love can get done this week. Houston Texans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville is going to dominate this one after that loss. Um, I expect big games from basically everybody on their offense. Then the Broncos, another 0-2 team taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Broncos almost experienced a miracle with that Hail Mary, but couldn't get the two-point conversion. Might have been pass interference. Um, however, wasn't called. I Miami winning this one. Again, too much talent for the Broncos. And it's going to lead to a lot of question marks in Denver as they're probably going to fall to 0-3. The Titans taking on the Browns. I like the Titans in this one. and um, I'm not a big fan of the Titans this year, but the Browns really just could not get anything going after the Nick Chubb injury. One of the most gruesome injuries I've seen. Um, hoping, I'm hoping it's He's out for the year, but I'm hoping it's better than whatever the worst-case scenario is. Um, but I just don't... Without Nick Chubb, this Browns team is just not that good. Um, that's a big, big loss. I mean, you're losing a top-three running back in the league. So, I have Tennessee winning that one. Buffalo taking on Washington in Washington. I think Buffalo dominates this game again. The Colts taking on the Baltimore Ravens. I like the Ravens in this one. Um, it's up in the air is if Anthony Richardson is going to play. 
due to a concussion he suffered. I'd like to see him play just because I want to see kind of Lamar Jackson take on Anthony Richardson. I do think that'd be a fun battle. But I do have Baltimore winning that one. Uh, Patriots taking on the Jets in East Rutherford. As I mentioned, I have the Jets 13-10 with Quinton Williams winning MVP. The Panthers are taking on the Seattle Seahawks, and Seattle Seattle should win this game. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a letdown week and the Panthers cover here. Um, something just to monitor during that game. The Bears taking on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to dominate this game. The Bears are 0-2. Justin Fields' processing defense is so slow. Um, and there's just not a lot of talent there, not a lot of motivation. The Chiefs should dominate. The Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals. I like the Cowboys in this one. Cowboys look like one of the best teams of the league. By the way, um, Micah Parsons is going to absolutely kill Mac Jones in Week 4. But the Cardinals, but first he's going to get his chance to try and kill Joshua Dobbs. Um, the Steelers taking on the Raiders. This is an interesting game. Uh, both teams are 1-1. Both teams have looked good at times, bad at other times. That Pittsburgh defense is legit because of that. I'm going to take them in this game. But the Raiders are at home. It is a West Coast game. So the Steelers are going to have to travel after a short week. I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas can pull this out. But I just think that I'm going to take the Pittsburgh defense just because they're the best out the units on the field right now. And then the that's the Sunday night game. And then Philly taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks. I like Philly in this one. Two teams that are 2-0. But Baker Mayfield's run kind of got to end at some point. I think it ends this week. And then the Rams take on the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati for a rematch of the Super Bowl 55. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams win this game. I'm going to take the Bengals, um, but the Rams have shown me a lot more, and that just speaks to the value of coaching and having a decent quarterback. There and some much receivers, Puga Naku, that can get open, and most importantly, a coach that can scheme them open. And Sean McVay, and real quick, um, before we go to the breakout and the bust, there's two Monday Night Football games on again this week. This is the worst idea anybody's ever had. Putting two football games on a Monday night on two different networks at the same time is probably the stupidest, stupidest idea that anybody at ESPN has ever had. I hate it this week. I'm going to hate it next week. I'm hearing that they're going to do it again later in the season. This stinks. It might be worse than the Peacock-only playoff game that they're having in, during wildcard weekend. If you don't know about that, the the NFL is having a playoff game be showed exclusively on Peacock. A playoff game! It sounds like it's going to be a Saturday game. Oh, it's just so bad. Streaming is killing the world. I'm a, I'm a big cable guy. Um, but that's just my two cents on the two-minute day football stuff. Um, but my breakout, Travis Etienne, he's going against the Houston Texans. He should dominate. Um... I, I could see it easily a 25-point week for Travis Etienne. And then my bus, Garrett Wilson. I'm going back to him again. I don't think he's going to have a good week. I think the Patriots will be able to take him out of the game for the most part in this one. Um, but, guys, with that, that will do it for me today. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, please visit our website, www.fromballparks.com. Our Instagram is there. Our Twitter is there. Our Gmail is there. Guys, please email or DM us any positive or negative feedback, segment ideas, um, mailbag questions, maybe even want to be on the show. I will be doing a mailbag after the Cowboys week, um, whether they're 1-3 or 0-4, or maybe by some way of God they end up 2-2 two and two by then. But thank you for listening. Um, once again, I'm Perry Mortino signing out with the From Ballparks of Buzzer Beer Sportscast. Have a good one, everybody.